By watching or listening to this show, you are acknowledging that you are of legal age to purchase and consume cannabis in your region. This production is for adults only. Have you seen the slash? Made by users for users. Engineered for flavor. One of the coolest features around. A built-in loading tool. Learn more at www.stonesmiths.ca. What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. Oh, another delicious segment coming up of This Week in Cannabis News. And you can find all the cannabis news you need at OkanaganZ.com. That beautiful-looking website is probably getting closer and closer to becoming a reality when uh, my good friend David Wiley looks out his window. Welcome back uh, to the show, David. How are things? Things are good. I, I love that we're taking the, the same tips from the same fashion folks because yes. this is... <laughs> this is too much, man. Yeah, this this uh, obviously was not uh, not planned because because why would we? But when we both logged onto the system to record this, we were like, oh wow, it's like looking in a mirror almost. <laughs> oh yeah, we both got got a good laugh out of that one. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Well, something that is uh, definitely not funny. Um, uh, well, anything to do with COVID is is not funny. But you know, we we all have concerns about our health and. You know, we're worried about uh, health, frontline workers in the hospitals, but we should also be worried about the frontline workers, you know, that are still out there day to day, especially during the, the darkest times that we had. And who knows what's still to come, you know, but the people that are uh, allowing us to shop for groceries and different things like that. And in those essential services are cannabis workers. Yeah, and they want to keep their... Um their position front and center right now when it comes to pandemic pay. If you go into a BC uh, cannabis store right now, which is the provincial store, you'll see that workers are wearing buttons that say essential pay for essential work. And uh, that comes back to a policy decision that seems to be leaving uh, both cannabis uh, frontline employees as well as uh, liquor employees in BC out in the cold. And, Throughout the pandemic, employers have been recognizing the risks and the challenges that frontline workers are facing. Uh, and you know, a lot of companies have been rewarding their workers with a little bit of extra moolah on the side there to show their appreciation that uh, they're coming in and following the policies and you know, making sure that people can get what they need to get. Uh, in BC, that included essential provincial government employees, more than 250,000 uh, eligible workers who provide frontline in-person services in BC, places like hospitals, jails, uh, long-term and assisted living facilities have been receiving a lump sum payment, which is worth about $4 per hour for a 16-week period. And that was supposed to start uh, last March. And here we are more than a year later, and a BC cannabis store employees uh, are still excluded from that federal provincial temporary pandemic pay program. So they're wearing buttons and they're trying to put pressure on the government 
to uh, to create a little bit of equity when it comes to that payment. I mean, you know, they are uh, tr they're frontline facing um, customers, and we all know that when it comes to the way that people are treating others through the pandemic, it's not always the politest. You know, we've seen those videos on TikTok and on Reddit and wherever else of people getting screamed at. Um, you know, all kinds of craziness that's happening. So cannabis, uh, cannabis store employees here in BC really want to, uh, to get what they believe is their fair cut of this pandemic pay uh, and are urging people also to uh, send a letter, reach out to the finance minister here in BC, Selena Robinson, to show that there's uh, public support behind their cause. Yeah, and and that's so important. You know, if this is a, a, a as a an industry needs to be taken seriously and was deemed an essential service, so the people that are working in that shop are are just like the people that are uh, working at a grocery till or in a in a liquor store and things like that. And I know that some cannabis companies really did try to take care of their employees, especially during the worst times when staff shortages were really really threatening the closure of some stores i know you know plant life cannabis is owned uh, by the uh, you know it's the same company or partnership as the canadian brew house and those, uh, you know, uh, pubs and sports places are, uh, you know, spread across everywhere. So what they did was allowed their plant life employees to be able to order food off the brew house menu. It was delivered to them. It was free. They were taking care of their employees because they realized that, you know, no, what, no matter what you're selling, if you're deemed an essential service, you're dealing with customers and you're putting yourself at risk. And, you know, that has to include the cannabis space for sure. I love the, that mention of the different way that companies are going out and trying to show employees that they care. And, you know, I think that that's important. And I hope that that kind of attitude where we're um, treating employees with, a, you know, that modicum of respect and defining different ways to reward them for a job well done. I hope that that continues even post pandemic. Yeah, it, it, it really should, because it's, uh, you know, this is kind of a good lesson for all of us as well. Um, just about uh, kind of generosity and, and kindness and just, you know, dealing with people. Everybody is stressed. Everybody uh, is having a tough time with this. I, I'm not sure we're all in the same boat. We're in the same storm. Some people have bigger boats than others. But, you know, we have to find a way uh, to get through this for sure. Okay, th this next story, um, is, is, I'm just going to be honest. I'm disappointed uh, by this next story because... I feel that uh, this action by a very reputable and popular cannabis magazine is, uh, you know, is is backwards. It's it's contrary to the legalization movement. So, I, I wonder what you think. I know you wrote a piece about this, but uh, the the publisher of High Canada has decided to back and endorse a black market company. I just find this totally backwards to the legalization movement. And, and I, frankly, I think it's, it's just wrong. It's become clear that some folks just really don't want to play within the framework of legalization. And that's extends to the publisher of high Canada magazine. And uh, he says that he's made what uh, is his first ever endorsement uh, over the years. And yeah, it's for an illegal mail order marijuana operation. Uh, actually, and you know, it goes one step further than an endorsement. Um, the high editor and publisher Cy Williams actually calls his relationship with the store a partnership. Um, so he says that the uh, this site is going to carry an official High Canada magazine, a seal of approval. 
and uh, the unlicensed cannabis store is doing things really that licensed retailers can't. Uh, William says that soon the site's going to be adding products that's imported from, from the U.S. company, Entourage Therapeutics, uh, as well as CBD products uh, that are clearly making health claims that uh, you just can't uh, make in the legal side of things. Now, of course, none of this is legal. Uh, it ships through Canada Post, like a lot of these different companies. And, you know, there are a few real problems here that I have beyond the fact that this isn't a licensed store. First, it highlights the frustration that I'm hearing from legal operators who are wondering why these URLs just don't get blocked. Uh, second, they're classifying themselves as a Canadian medical marijuana company. This is a time when government officials are looking seriously at clamping down on medical growers uh, in a business like this saying that it's a medical certainly isn't helping the cause for those who are legit. And finally, if you look at the site, I, I mean, it's confusing, frankly, for new cannabis customers. Even the initials OCS match the Ontario Cannabis Store. So, uh, you know, I, I really think, like you said, that this is going in the wrong direction. Um, and I think that this is a bit of a losing bet right now. Legal cannabis is growing. Um, the illicit market is sliding and, you know, to, uh, to, to go full in on a company that could be shut down overnight just doesn't seem like a great decision as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, it's irresponsible in my opinion, because, you know, there's a lot of people that are working really, really hard. Uh, to to convince people that need convincing that cannabis is a legitimate industry. And, you know, then you have somebody that has a, a very strong following and a big following in the cannabis industry, uh, unfortunately representing a lot of those people in in this in this terrible way because you know I listen I've had I've had a lot of uh, black market companies approach me about advertising and I, I'm not going to do it because you know I'm I'm standing behind the the uh, legal market undercutting them would be promoting anybody on the black market and you know whether or not the black market ever goes away I don't know because the plant is you know a lot easier to grow than it is to to you know have black market booze or something like that uh, but this is just so contrary to everything that so many people have been working for. And frankly, this feeds into the stigma of cannabis that, that so many people put on the legal industry. And, and that's just terribly unfortunate and irresponsible, in my opinion. And, and you know, you mentioned that uh, unlicensed companies are approaching you and I've had the same. Um, mostly unlicensed companies are advertising in High Magazine. Um, there, you know, are a handful of legal companies that, uh, that are advertising and, you know, they have to make that decision. Um, as far as the ounce is concerned, um, we are support legal and we endorse legal products. We endorse legal stores and, uh, are pro legal cannabis. I've never made any bones about that. And, uh, that's the way that it's going to stay. Yep. Us as well here at the Cannabis 101 podcast. So, again, you know, and, and listen, High high Canada and, and, and a lot of magazines have done, you know, good things in, in um, you know, mm -hmm. 
bringing uh, some, you know, there, I'm, I'm not saying every article or the magazine should be thrown out or trashed, but I just uh, disagree with this decision uh, wholeheartedly. And I, and I think it's, uh, it's sending the wrong message. Um, well, speaking of sending, this is going to be something that's going to be a big problem uh, when it comes to vapes, uh, particularly in, in the U.S. Uh, you know, I, I'm on a mailing list for Puffco and I got an email and I know uh, you saw it as well. And uh, there's, there's, you know, there was a vape crisis at one point um, because of the black market. Now there's a vape shipping crisis going on with some companies, David. Yeah, it's an amended U.S. law that is really throttling vape distributors. Um, you know, here in Canada, really the selection of cannabis vapes is going to be more limited and popular brands just won't be able to ship here. Um, so here's what's going on. According to J.D. Supra, there's an omnibus bill called the Consolidated Appropriations Act of 2021 that was signed into law late last year. And uh, along with COVID relief uh, and many other provisions are significant restrictions on mailing and shipping vapor products. And some of these uh, penalties are quite serious and criminal penalties if you break this uh, break this act. Um, so the also the Appropriations Act amends something called the Prevent All Cigarette Trafficking Act or the PACT um, to include electronic nicotine delivery systems, uh, and those include hemp and CBD vapor products. So under this amended law, vape sellers are really beholden to much more stringent standards when it comes to registering their products with government. Um, they have to label their vapes as tobacco products and need to collect signatures on delivery. There's a whole slew of other things that they have to do as well. Um, and part of this legislation also means that vapor products can no longer be shipped through the U.S. Postal Service. And these tough new laws have basically led UPS and FedEx to announce that they're not going to ship them for home delivery home delivery anymore due to the complexity of the laws. Uh, you know, even if a hemp or C CBD vapor product manufacturer happens to find a shipping company to send these products to consumers, uh, it's likely to be really prohibitively expensive and the manufacturer is still going to have to comply with all these stringent rules of the PACT Act. Um, you know, and again, retailers who don't register or comply with this are subject to these penalties. And that includes up to three years in prison. Wow. You know, there, there, there is a, a lot of things that we talk about that uh, will fall into place when the U.S. federally legalizes. And, and we've talked about apps and things like that. This is just one more of those things that, uh, you know, if cannabis becomes federally legal, this would be, you know, something that they could definitely look at, I, I would imagine. But it, it also, you know, it, it brings up something closer to home in that, you know, if these companies are going to have a hard enough time shipping from the United States, Canadian companies might be able to uh, actually take advantage of this uh, unfortunate situation down in the United States and, you know, start getting, you know, the companies and, and their products in the hands of consumers that might be ordering from the U.S., and hey, I love shopping made in Canada products, especially when it comes to these kinds of electronics that need to be, um, you know, up to safety standards. I think the Canadian companies who are making these kinds of uh, devices really have an opportunity here. I mean, yeah, let's let's face it. The U.S. market is pretty huge. And uh, if you're not able to access it, that can most certainly be a problem. Uh but it goes both ways. So if, if American companies can't ship here, then there's going to be um, quite a, an opening in the market. 
Yeah, and you know that's where companies uh, have got the the slash up there. Local Edmonton company, uh, you know, can get their product out to uh, other consumers that might ordinarily uh, order from the U.S. because maybe they're not aware that there's so many great companies uh, just here in Canada. But it it is unfortunate, and I guess you know it goes back to something earlier we talked about uh, is is the stigma on cannabis, right? Is you know these these things are not being uh, able to be shipped because they deem it as this dangerous uh, sort of drug uh, situation. So a lot of it does come back to that stigma. And it's weird having to label them as tobacco. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it really goes to show what, how the view of these types of devices. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, what's interesting is, uh, you know, you look at, uh, you know, somebody pointed out that in, in Quebec, I don't know if you can, you can uh, get vapes right now. I, you know, I think there's a real situation with vapes, but yet they're they're okay with people selling pre-rolls. And listen, I love pre-rolls, but you're lighting up. There's combustible action with a joint with, that is not there uh, with, uh, with a vape pen. So, you know, it's all, uh, in, in, it's all comes down to education. That, that's really all it comes down to. And, and the, um, the industry evolving and, you know, doing a lot of teaching. And, and, you know, one of the things that's going to influence people and, you know, bring them over to the cannabis side where they eventually will, learn is the financial side let's face it you know there are people that will just strictly get into the cannabis business because of money uh, you know and all the power to whatever whatever you want to do that's that's fine with you uh, but there is a lot of big predictions when the cannabis industry started and now a couple of years in things have settled in and there's some big predictions uh, down the road uh, that that I think should excite a lot of people uh, I mean and this is really crystal ball stuff once you start looking this far out uh, cannabis consultants, the Brightfield Group, is forecasting that the Canadian cannabis market uh, will be peaking by 2026 at about $9 billion in annual sales. Now, that's a huge market. And by that time, they say there will be enough retail stores open to handle the demand. Uh, well, enough consumers will have successfully transitioned to the legal market. So uh, as far as um, you know what Brightfield is saying, uh, Jamie Shaw, who uh, is the insights lead at Brightfield and the lead off author of this report, says that uh, the massive growth that we've seen this year uh, and probably the next year or two is going to start to taper off because really, ultimately, there's only so many new uh, cannabis users who are going to be coming online uh, over the time. And uh, part of the part of the challenge here that uh, cannabis companies are facing is the regulation that is uh, that is quite tight on products. Um, that includes a, the 10 milligram limit on edibles, um, which not a lot of consumers are necessarily into, especially the consumers who, uh, who are the more heavy users. Um, there's also advertising and packaging restrictions that have had a fairly significant impact on the sector. So there's lots of room for um, government to step in and even heighten that ceiling right now. So we'll see what happens there. Um, Xiao also says that Canada's beverage sector is poised for pretty rapid growth over the next few years. That seems to be a fairly dormant part of uh, cannabis products. They're the least used uh, type of product for cannabis users, but that's, uh, that is likely going to change as more and more people try them and the beverages get uh, just better tasting and the 
effect uh, comes on quicker and offsets quicker, uh, which is something that people really want to see. I mean, there's other kinds of edible products too that might be able to open up the market even more. Um, savory and baked options, for example, are something that we haven't really seen too much of. Yeah, a couple of things that I find uh, interesting is, uh, you know, I, I agree that the 10 milligram uh, limit uh, does hamper people at our experience, but it's so easy to just go buy your own edible and make it at home and and get around that. And I think that uh, you know people are starting to to catch on to that a little bit. The drink thing is interesting. You know, we really didn't have to. You know, this, this last summer was not really a regular summer full of barbecues and doing all these things and hanging out. And I'm not sure this summer. So I think that also plays into it, right? You know, you, you talk about going to a barbecue and grabbing a five pack, I guess it is, unfortunately. Um, but, you know, that really hasn't kind of happened, uh, unfortunately, because of, uh, of of COVID. But I the, the, the one thing I will say about these predictions, they're not going to happen unless those regulations are, you know, loosened up a little bit. I'm not saying open it up and let people do what they want, but this industry is only going to be able to grow if it's on a level playing field with others. And right now it's not. So the predictions are great, but you know, as they mentioned, th those regulations are there, you know, what does Canada do? How is Canada going to react to a lot of other countries by that time, hopefully legalizing? That's going to be a really interesting thing because, you know, are they basing this on Canada being one of the few countries to still be legal? by that point you know there's so many unknowns yeah and with big with big figure predictions like this we've seen them uh over the last few years with cannabis how how much is the market worth how fast is it going to grow what's it going to be worth a year from now and they've always been wrong uh <laughs> we love to talk <laughs> about them and you know if we went back and we revisited them we could probably make a nice list of the five greatest flops as far as predictions were concerned so they're always fun but uh you know we i think that you and i have seen enough of this to to not put uh too much stock in it uh but you know the the nine billion dollar figure uh, in annual sales is uh is a pretty cool cap as far as i'm concerned and yeah. uh, something that that leaves lots of room for growth over the next few years yeah, and at the very uh, you know least, as far as good news is, they're predicting an upswing instead of uh, bad news. So uh, you know, <laughs> at least it's uh, at least it's good news that they're predicting for the industry, and you know we can get there. Uh, we just have to uh, get around a few things, as uh, as we've been doing for the last two plus years. <laughs> uh, David, thanks as always for joining us. Uh, people can find you guys at OkanaganZ.com to get all your cannabis news. Uh, the newsletter comes out on Friday. And check them out on Twitter at Okanagan Z. Thanks as always, David. Thank you. and follow us on social media at the cannabis 101 on twitter at the cannabis 101 podcast on instagram and at the canna 101 podcast on facebook you can email us at cannabis 101 podcast at gmail.com